0: So, this morning we are continuing on. Uh, actually, not continuing on. We are beginning a new series uh, about grace. If you remember, for the last few weeks, we've been talking about All In and have been reading through the book of Haggai, hearing God challenging us on our priorities, priorities we have in our lives. I hear God calling us back to continue building His church, not in terms of uh, uh, lumber and, and drywall, but in terms of living stones. Actually, people's lives, being built up into a living, breathing church. I hear God God calling us to follow Jesus, more people following Jesus, but also more people following Jesus more faithfully. But as I've been talking about this, encouraging us, and even reading God's word, hearing God say, stay strong and work, I've been also thinking we need to hear or remember this word of grace. We need a series on grace that as important as it is for us to do God's good work, we have been saved by grace, God's free gift. It's good to remember that we are called to work hard for God's kingdom. It's good. We're meant to. But also that we cannot earn our place with Jesus. And to never forget that we have been saved by grace. I was thinking about it this week. Grace is like a cool cup of water on a hot, dry day. It is good. Here's the thing. With grace, we can't earn it. If you could earn it, it wouldn't be grace anymore. Not only that, but we don't have to. We don't have to earn it. It's a free gift from God through His Son. And I was thinking this last week as we've been working through Haggai and hearing God calling us back to work and back to uh, calling, challenging even our priorities. It's concerned that maybe this, um, hearing this uh, for a couple weeks in a row, you start wondering, you know, is, this, is faith about working? Is it about what we do? Is faith even about earning our way? Now, as we're talking about grace... Some of you might be thinking, you know, Jason, I've heard that before. I know we've been saved by grace, and it's, it's a basic part of our faith. I mean, everybody knows that. Well, it's true, it is basic, but it's also essential to our faith. And it's interesting, as I talk with people, I hear very different ideas. I hear people have all sorts of ideas about what grace is and how it works, how effective it is, or even sometimes how ineffective it is. And so it's good for us to talk about grace to talk about just what we mean when we say we are saved by grace through faith. Because some people, some of you have questions as I've talked. Some of you have questions about, about grace. Some of you can't believe it. To have this amazing, this amazing gospel, this amazing good news that we have been saved, that everything that we've done wrong, ever have done wrong or ever will have done or will done or ever will do wrong, get the right verb there, but regardless of what we've done, through Jesus, through his sacrifice, through his death and resurrection, we have been saved. We've been given a new life. We've been made new creations. It sounds too good to be true. And when you look at the world around us, the way the rest of the world works, we live in a world where there are no free lunches. There is no free grace. And the only time you don't get what you deserve is when it ends up you get the short end of the stick. Except for grace. Grace is the one place where you don't get what you deserve. And it's amazing. Some of you hear about grace and you start thinking about, can't help but compare yourself to others. Other Christians. Other people in the church. And you hear, you know, that I've been saved by grace. I get it. But there are other people who are so faithful and I just don't stack up against them. I want you to listen to this story that, or to this message this morning that you have been saved by grace. Some of you know about grace too. You've heard about grace for years. And as much as you know about grace and would say that we have been saved by grace, you struggle to extend grace to others when people come and don't look the same. Begin to think that we've been saved by grace, but actually, I've been saved a little bit more than the others. We struggle with grace. Sometimes we think about grace and we think, oh, okay, good, I've been saved by grace, free gift. Then I just get to spiritually kick my feet up and wait for Jesus to return. Or I can go and mess up as many times as I want because God will just always forgive me. That's true but it's never what God intended it's never what Christ intended it's never what Paul intended when he said we are saved by grace he said should we because we've been saved by grace does that mean we should sin more he said by no means no way some of you hear that we've been saved by grace and I've talked with Christians who still even after years of following Jesus wonder if they were really saved don't I have to do something isn't there more to this Really, all I have to do is pray and begin following Jesus. Really? I can't believe it. We need to hear this message of grace. We need to hear it. I know that you need to hear this too. There's good news about God's grace. The good thing is, the good news is we're not the first people who have had questions about faith. We're not the first group who's gotten it wrong or who had different ideas about it. Actually, much of the New Testament is about grace. Trying to explain to a people who were used to earning their way with whichever God it was, whether it was Judaism or Greek mythology, they were used to earning their way, doing certain practices as a way to earn God's favor or the favor of the gods, if you were Greek. Earning your way was a central part of religion. And so the New Testament Paul, Jesus, the gospel writers, John, constantly teaching the church that you have been saved by grace because it was so monumental. It was so different than everything they'd ever heard. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, the letter to the church in Rome, the letter to the church in Ephesus, the letter to the church in Galatia, all these letters are essentially about grace, this amazing free gift that God has given us. So to understand some more about grace, to get at what we're trying to talk about, we we need to hear about grace. We're coming to the book of Ephesians today. This is a letter that Paul wrote. Near the end of his life, he's in Rome. He's writing it to to Ephesus, which is a city in modern-day Turkey. You can imagine the Mediterranean. It's on the east side, the east side of the Mediterranean Sea, above the Middle East. So he's writing to the church there. And this is what he writes. If you want to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, or it's also here in your bulletin, uh, just, just three verses. So we're picking up like, just one small portion out of a whole letter, but, but listen to this. Paul writes, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, not from yourselves, it is the gift of God not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's pray that we would hear God's word this morning. Father in heaven, we give you thanks for your word. We pray that you would speak to us this morning. Remind us again of the glory and the gift of grace. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. So, this morning, we're just going to jump into this passage and break it down. It's funny, I was thinking about trying to suck every bit of goodness we can out of it. I was thinking about this. <laughs> I don't know, this is sort of a weird association, but uh, a few uh, week or so ago, we had chicken legs, grilled chicken legs with our family. And uh, Tracy and I and the boys, we ate the meat off of our bones, but there's still like little bits of meat and stuff on there. And then Alex, our student from China, He would eat the chicken bone, and there was nothing left but bone. He ate every part of it, the skin, the cartilage at the top, every bit of it. That's what I want to do this morning with this passage, get every bit we can out of these three short verses, all right? How's that for an image? You guys will probably never forget that. So let's break this down. All right, so it says, For it is by grace you have been saved. So by grace, completely undeserved, ill-advised, completely unfair grace. That's what you've received. Grace, by definition, is not fair. This forgiveness of God. As I mentioned already, in this broken world we live in, we never get what we deserve, right? And usually we mean we get less than we deserve. Except for when it comes to grace. We get so much more than any of us deserve. Grace is not fair. But it is wonderful. I think about that as I often talk with my sons. They say, you know, oh, Dad, that's not fair. And I say, life is not fair. But thankfully, neither is grace. Grace is not fair. That Jesus, through his life, a life completely sinless, obedient to God, through his death on the cross, the sacrifice that he made for us, the resurrection, the fact that he has risen again, through all of this, we are given God's grace. God's free gift, God's reconciliation, his forgiveness in our lives. And that's the thing, none of us deserve it even though we're tempted to take it for granted, and maybe even start deluding ourselves into thinking, you know, I kind of, God's kind of lucky to have me on the team, right? None of us deserve grace. The times that we lose our temper. The times that we cut corners. The times when we subtly or not so subtly demean other people because they don't look like us because they don't seem to fit. We all blow it. None of us deserve God's grace. And yet we receive it. I was thinking about the unfairness of God's grace this week, and I was thinking of the story, it's called the parables. Uh, parable of the workers. Many of you have heard it. It's a parable about uh, a man who had a vineyard And so he went to find day laborers. And so at six in the morning, he goes to the place where the laborers are gathered. At six in the morning, he gathers some and he says, you know what, I'll pay you 200 bucks for today. How does that sound? Day's wage. And they say, yep, full day's work for a full day's wage. Sounds good to us. And they start working. It's hot and dry and the work is not easy. So the landowner, he goes to the market again where the workers are gathered at 9 a.m. and he gathers some more and they start working. And he says, I'll pay you whatever's fair. Does the same thing at 12. Gathers another group because the work is not going fast enough. There's more work to be done. At 3 p.m., he does it again. He gathers another group. At 5 p.m., he goes back to the, to the place where all the workers are gathered. He said, hey, you guys are just standing around. Come work for me. And then at the end of the day, he tells us, he has one of his servants, and he says, gather, gather all the workers and pay them. But pay those who, worked, who started work last, pay them first. And he paid them $200 for their couple hours or hour of work. Now, in the text, in the story, there's no complaint yet. So I imagine, I can only imagine that the people who started at 6 a.m., who worked five times longer, that they're thinking to themselves, oh, he's giving them 200 I can't wait to see the bonus he's going to give us. And Jesus paid all of them 200 Whether they started their day's labor at 6 a.m. or 5 p.m., he paid all of them 200 Grace is not fair. Now the, the workers, they started complaining to Jesus. How could you possibly do this? These guys haven't hardly even worked, and you paid them the same as us. In the parable, the, the landowner says, He says, What are you complaining about? I paid you exactly what we agreed to at six this morning. Are you angry with me? Are you envious only because I am generous with other people? Jesus was telling this story, and at the end of it, the Pharisees who were gathered around him, they were furious with him. Because they realized that they were the six AM workers they realized that they were the people that they thought that they had worked hard and earned more than others. They thought they had earned more grace than others. Because the kingdom of God had come and Jesus was bringing in all the wrong kind of people. All the people who had sin and brokenness in their lives, he was welcoming them into the kingdom. And the people who had kind of sort of held it together, who had learned to play by the rules or do the right things, they were furious because grace was not fair. That parable reminds us that none of us deserve grace. And whether you've been following Jesus really well for the last 50 years, or this morning is the first morning that you even consider following him, all of us have received the equal, the same grace. Not because we've earned it or we deserve it, but because of who God is. That's the beauty of grace. That's the thing is, grace is a gift of God, which is different than many other religions, like most other religions that I know of. Most other religions, your place with God or your place in eternity is based on how hard you work or how diligent you are, how well you do the religious practices. It's based on merit. I was thinking of a conversation I had with Jesse when he got back from Kenya about a month ago. He and Marie and um, a couple others, they traveled to Kenya. And when he got back, he said that it's interesting that some people, some of the Kenyans, they actually choose Islam over Christianity uh, because it's easier. He said Christianity is a whole life transformation. Everything has to change. And so in the one sense... It's, it's more complicated, more elaborate, because everything is a part of it. But he said some of them choose Islam because it's easier in the sense that there are certain practices, times you pray, things you eat, things you don't eat, certain days you fast, certain days you eat. If you can just do that, then you're good, and you go on about the rest of your life. It's been narrowed down to a set of practices. That's how you earn your way. Once you've done that, you're in, and there's nothing more to be done. Well, that's not the Christian faith. the Christian faith, there is no set of practices that you have to do to earn your way and then go on about your life. Our whole life is following Jesus. Everything in our life becomes His. Everything in our life is affected. But that's not because that's not how we get saved. That's not how we are saved from our sin. It's not by the things we do. It's by God's grace. In Christianity, we are saved by God, through God, and for God. Jesus does everything. It's by his faithfulness that we have been set free. It's by his faithfulness to God that we are forgiven and given a new life. Our only response in all of this is our faith. That's it. We have been saved by grace through faith. Now, when I say through faith, I wonder what you think I mean, or what do you think Paul means. I think a lot of times when people say saved by grace through faith, they mean that faith, they often think of it in terms of uh, through faith and they translate it as by belief. I am saved by grace through belief, the moment that I believe. They intermix those two, faith and belief. Now there's truth to that because the moment we begin believing in Jesus, the moment we pray, Lord Jesus, please forgive me for the sin in my life. I devote my life to you. We receive the fullness of God's grace. All of it, at that moment, we receive grace. You don't have to do anything more. You don't have to put in 40 hours. You don't have to get a certification. You don't have to go to school. You just begin believing and you are saved by grace. That's amazing news. Rome, or, uh, Paul talks about this in his letter to the church in Rome. He says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's simple. That's simple. Confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe that He is risen again, and you are saved. You receive this new life in Christ. The moment we begin believing, we are saved. But that's an important word begin. Because the moment we begin believing, it is just that the beginning. Faith is not a moment, it's not a contract. It's a way of life that we begin. So, following Jesus, when he says, You are saved by grace through faith, I hear him saying the word in English, we get faith, but also the idea of faithfulness. The word in Greek, pistis, means both faith in terms of belief, faith in terms of faithfulness, following God. See, the way we live, it matters. And to say that because we're saved by grace that the things we do don't matter, Paul would freak out. Jesus never taught that. He didn't call his disciples who were fishermen, or, some, or the first ones. He didn't say, hey guys, hey fishermen, gather around, believe in me and what I'm going to do, and then go on about your fishing. He said, believe in me and follow me. Follow me with your life. See, that's the difference between faith and faithfulness. Faith is the moment we begin praying. That first moment we pray, Lord God, please forgive me. Faithfulness is a life of prayer. To continue praying day in, day out. Lord, please forgive me. Please help me to follow you. Faith is the moment you decide, the moment you begin believing. Faithfulness is the way that you live life following Jesus. I hear both in this word of faith. This this Greek word, pistis, here in this passage see we're talking first of all first we're talking about faith in terms of salvation the moment we are saved and faithfulness is the idea of sanctification of becoming more like Jesus that's a process that takes life to do see that's the thing we are made a new creation in Christ the moment we have faith the moment we begin believing we are made a new creation So good? All right. <laughs> I don't know. So we are a new creation in Christ, but it doesn't mean that we have to be perfect. Trust me, you won't be. None of us are. Even though we've been following Jesus for a while, some of us decades, we still blow it. And we continue to need God's grace and forgiveness in our lives. It's true. We continue to need to be re-forgiven. I say this this morning because I want to encourage those of you who feel like, I'm not sure if I do enough. I want to encourage you that you are saved by grace. But it's not about what you do. Because honestly, you could never do enough to earn this. It is God's gift. Not only that, but I think about some people who were born in faith and what the, if faith is a journey... Some people start with a huge advantage for this faith journey. Some of you were raised by Christian parents. Both your mom and your dad loved you and loved the Lord Jesus and you grew up in an amazing home where they encouraged you to follow him. But there are people in this room who did not have that. There are people who grew up in this room, me included, whose parents didn't even go to church. Or people who have... Enormous things that have happened. It's like they're trying to run this race of faith with a 50 pound pack on. We need to keep remembering that. Some people start this faith of journey or this race of faith. Some of them start about 30 yards behind the start line. And so for us to be gracious with them, to encourage them, even though it seems like their steps are slow and hard in coming. But we continue to be gracious because none of us have earned our place here. All of us are here because of God's grace. This morning we are talking about faith and faithfulness. But it's interesting, as I've been studying, there's one more aspect here to this word faith. It's Jesus. Jesus' faithfulness. See, when we hear that you are saved by grace through faith, most of us tend to think in terms of faith the moment I believed. Which is true. That's one part of it. And when I started talking about faithfulness, most of us assumed my faithfulness, it's still about me. But it's interesting in this text, in the English, even if you look at it, it's not certain or it's not it's a bit ambiguous as to whose faith we're talking about. Now, we'll see this next week as we look at the rest of this passage, but just before this, Paul is talking all about Jesus, about the sacrifice that he made and that we have been saved through him. And many have made a case that in here, when you look at this, that for is by grace you have been saved through faith or faithfulness, that Paul might actually be talking not about our faith or faithfulness, but about Jesus' faithfulness that it's because of his faithfulness that we have been saved. So the debate that uh, New Testament scholars debate is, you know, is Jesus the object of faith here, the one we believe in, or is he the subject of faith, the one who is faithful? I tend to think still that this is talking about Jesus as the object of faith, what most of us are used to. But it's still very much true that it is because of Jesus, because of his faithfulness, because of his obedience to God, that he went to the cross on our behalf, that we even have this opportunity of grace. So all of these together, faith and faithfulness in Jesus. So who knew that so much could happen in just one little sentence? We're in deep water here as we talk about grace and faith and salvation. It speaks again to me the depth of God's word how we can study this again and again, deeper and deeper, and there's always more. This morning, to remember that we have been saved by faith. Sorry, we've been saved through grace, through faithfulness, and through Jesus, all because of Him. But Paul wants us to be sure that we get this. So he goes on and he says, and this is not from yourself, it is a gift of God. This salvation... By grace, It's not from you. Nothing that you've done. No works that you've performed. No prayers that you've prayed. It's God's gift. Because if you could earn it, it wouldn't be grace anymore. If you deserved it, it wouldn't be grace anymore. It's God's gift. But Paul's not done. He says not by works so that no one can boast. I think if we would take this short passage to heart, this fact that we've been saved by grace through faith so that none of us would boast, that we'd realize that none of us have earned this place, I think it would fix a lot of what is wrong in the church today. Now it's interesting because I think about Christians and I don't know many Christians who boast about being saved by grace in an arrogant sort of way. Some of us do it like in a celebrating way. We have been saved by grace. We make a lot of that. But I don't know of really any Christians who outwardly boast about it. But I do know Christians who subtly and not so subtly demean others because of it. They proclaim saved by grace, but they act like we have to earn our way here and that some people don't deserve it because they don't look like they have their lives together. I was thinking about it today, that, or this week. That's like one beggar who's been given a new coat so they can get into the into the ball, but at the same time kicks another beggar out because they don't have a coat. That we realize that none of us are here because we deserve it. Regardless, whether we've been following Jesus for 50 years or five minutes, none of us deserve to be here. It is by God's grace, His free gift, that we are here. I was thinking about this week the, the people that Jesus had the most trouble with, the people that He was hardest on, were not the sinners who were really bad. But it was a self righteous religious people, the Pharisees. When we forget about grace, when we lose sight of grace, we become more like Pharisees than like Jesus. We start acting like we earn it here, like we deserve to be here. Some of us do, and some of us don't. That is sinful. That is completely missing the point of grace. We have been saved by grace. Paul makes this point so that none of us would boast, that none of us would demean others, regardless of whether you are great at following Jesus and your life looks perfect, or if you struggle and it looks like everything's a mess. None of us deserve it, but we all receive it through faith, salvation through grace. The last thing that Paul says here is He says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Now some of you might be thinking, whoa, wait a minute, good works? What? I thought we were talking about being saved by grace and now we're talking about working again. No, I'm not saying that. Paul is. That we've been saved by grace for good work. It's interesting, as there's a, an author's name's Dallas Willard, he's a professor of theology, written lots of Christian books. He said, grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. There's nothing wrong with effort in the Christian life. Lots of the Christian life takes effort. Discipline, prayer, fasting, serving. There's lots of things in the Christian life that require effort. It's not easy to follow Jesus. In fact, Jesus said it won't be. It's fine that there's effort. We just don't have to earn our place here. There's no hint of having to earn our spot. Like I said, the moment we believe... We have been saved by grace. But there's also, the moment we've been saved by grace, there's also good work to be done. But here's the thing. Work, good work, is never the requirement for faith. It's the right response. Good work is not the requirement. It's our right response. It's the way we respond to Jesus and this grace that he's given us. Salvation by grace through faith leads us to do good work, to do, kingdoms, to do God's kingdom work, not as a requirement, but as a response. This morning, I want you to hear God's word. I want you to hear God's word that we have been saved by grace through faith and faithfulness, whether it's ours or Jesus's. That we resist our impulse to try and earn our way here the temptation or the lies that says you don't belong, you have to do more, that we'd resist that lie. That we continue to remember that we have been saved by grace, that you don't have to earn it. The moment we begin believing, we have this grace that we've been talking about all morning. And that good work, God's kingdom work here in this community, it's not a requirement to belong. It's our response because we belong because of Jesus. I want you to hear this morning. I want you to hear this good news about grace this morning. If you struggle with pride or thinking that you've been saved by grace but others not so much, that you are convicted, that you continue to remember that none of us deserve to be here, that actually we all have equal place with God because of his free gift of grace. I also want those of you to hear this morning who tend to think you have to do more. I want you to hear this good news that you have been saved by grace. Nothing you could do, there's nothing that you could ever do to earn your place here. It's a free gift from God. That we've been called to good work as a response, not a requirement. Now it's true, I continue to believe that God is speaking to us as a church. That God is challenging our priorities, calling us to set down our circus. God is calling us back to rebuild a church, or not rebuild, but to continue to build a church made of living stones of actual people's lives. There there would be more people following Jesus here and more people following Jesus more faithfully. But when we hear God saying, stay strong and work, I hear him saying, do good work. Sorry, do good work. This response to grace type of work. Because God has been gracious to us that we desire to see his kingdom grow. Imagine what it would be like. Just for a moment. Picture this church where everybody in this room gets grace. And I don't mean like theoretically, yes, I know we've been saved by grace, but actually gets it that we've been saved by grace. Nothing that we've earned, nothing that we've done, but by Jesus and his faithfulness. Imagine how that would change our lives. Imagine how that would change even this community. Imagine not only what that does for us in our lives, but imagine what that does for the community around us. You know, there are many people who think, if I have a problem in my life, the last place I'm going to go is to a church where everybody's going to judge me. That's a stereotype that the church has all over the place. Imagine if we were so gracious in this church that we actually undid that stereotype in our community. That when people around us, when they have trouble, when their life is an absolute mess and tatters, they think, well, at least the one place I can still go is the church. Imagine if we were that gracious as a church that people began to think that in the community around us. That's what I dream for our church. That we would continue to grow in grace in our understanding of it and that we would extend grace so radically, so wonderfully to the community around us that people would gather here, especially when their lives are broken and messy. This morning I hear God speaking to us again. I still hear God calling us to stay strong and to work and to watch for him to do amazing things here. But all of that in the context of grace. That we have been saved by grace. Not through hard work. Not through religious practices. But through faith. And faithfulness in Jesus and who he is and what he has done. That's the good news that I have for us this morning. All of you, every one of you, have been here are here and have been saved by grace. Amen.